This episode of Going Forward is brought to you by Optimizer, an award-winning PPC management tool used by advertisers worldwide. Save time and boost the performance of your PPC campaigns on Facebook, Amazon, and Google, or Microsoft. Get a 14-day free trial at optimizer.com go slash VIP. Welcome to Going Forward, where inspiring conversations with leaders and entrepreneurs shape tomorrow. Dive into the depths of their journeys, the hurdles they've overcome, and the insights they bring to the future. Let's get moving right here, right now on Going Forward. What's going on, going forward, listeners, man? Um, I'm excited to talk to this next gentleman. I'm a little, I'm a little pumped up. We're going to talk a lot about his philosophy. You know, he seems like the most energized person on the planet. Just uh, talking about Mr. Paul Epstein here. Paul, I want you to go ahead and introduce yourselves to our guest over at Going Forward, man. Uh, and thank you for being on the show, by the way. Yeah, Eric, fired up to be here and what's going on going forward nation. I could not be more stoked. And uh, even in the pre-chat with, with Eric, we were just vibing a lot on better decisions faster and just a ton of cool synergy. So I know this is going to be a fire conversation. Man, right in my hand is a book. There you go. Faster. So and I have a little tab here. So some of it today, Paul's helping me interview him because some of this I'm going to go through and just pull out a lot of the things that he says. And, uh, you know, one of the things I want to go right to, man, you know, um, and I'm going to get into questioning you. But the first thing that you said in, in the book, and I, mine's signed so you guys don't be jealous. He said head, heart and hand. So we're going to jump into all that today. I want to talk about it, dude. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you know, Paul, how did you get your start, man? You know, because you've done, you know, some work with the NBA, NFL. I mean, how did Paul Epstein become Paul Epstein? How did that happen? <laughs> uh, a, a little bit of luck and hard work, right? And uh, I, I love the quote from Seneca that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm. So trust me, I was prepared. But naturally, oh. life needs to invite you to the opportunities, some of which you create. And then some of them, like I heard this really cool thing, and I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. He was a really senior level, like a C-level executive for Microsoft. And I was mm -hmm. listening to an interview of his, and he gave an analogy about luck that I will mm. always remember. So let's just start there. So imagine going forward nation. Imagine you are sitting at a bus stop, and you're waiting for the bus to come. Mm -hmm. And obviously, to get on the bus, it's not a free ride. You got to pay the fare, whatever right. that fare is. Right. And so the way that this executive explained it is, do you have the fare to get on the bus? Because the bus is a representation of an opportunity. But if you're not prepared, then you don't have the fare to pay to get on the bus. And mm. so my philosophy has always been, have your fare ready because when opportunity strikes, then you've got to be willing and eager and able to run through that wall. And so, you know, the, the way this all started for me, Eric, is this is a couple decades ago. I didn't even mm -hmm. know that you could work in a space like sports. So fast forward 15 years later, um, chief revenue officer for the San Francisco 49ers, opening up billion dollar stadiums, coming fresh off an NFL league office yeah. experience, breaking Super Bowl revenue records, like right. living a dream career. But that's not how it started. That's not wow. because my bus came when I had to pay the fare. I was working for a Fortune 10 organization straight out of undergrad. 
And Mel Kuyper, who's an NFL draft guru, and he's yep. a typical energized, fired up guy, right? Uh-huh. And I, I got <laughs> yep. it on ESPN radio as I'm driving my very cool Dodge Caravan through my <laughs> outside sales territory. And the first commercial that comes on, Mel says, have you ever wanted to work in sports? Have you ever dreamed of working for your favorite wow. MLB, NBA, NFL? And I'm speeding down the highway like, yes, yes, yes. And then the call to action was call one 800 SMWW now. SMWW stands for Sports Management Worldwide. I made the phone call. I got in the course. Eight weeks later, I impressed the professors and they said, Where do you want to work? I said, mm. LA. That's where I'm at. They said, Great. We know the folks at Staples Center. So mm. in my head, I was thinking, Oh my gosh, Kobe and Shaq winning championships. This is circa 2004 or five. I'm okay, like, man, okay. this is just the dream, right? And yeah. then they made the call and I got the email introduction, but it wasn't Paul and the Lakers. It was Paul and meet the Clippers. <laughs> so I got an invitation to be an entry-level sales guy and bang the phones about 200 times a day to sell Clipper right. tickets when they were, brother, I'll tell you, ESPN, a year before I started, called us the worst brand in sports. My second week on the job, the front cover of Sports Illustrated said the worst franchise in sports history. Try selling that. And so that's my origin story. The bus came when I made the call. I took the course. I got the introduction. But I had to have the fare to be able to get on the bus. And then lo and behold, thankfully, you know, a lot of performance, a lot of production and a lot of ladder climbing. And 15 years later, there's a really cool, happy ending to this story. But yeah. that is how I got started. Man, you, you started out talking about like the Disney executive and how he's talking about luck. And immediately when you said that, I started thinking about a Disney movie, Disney Pixar movie. It was the incredible. And there was a line in there that I still use in business today. And it says luck favors the prepared. There you go. You know, there you and, go. And just and just being able to, to hear you say that. And then you listen in the Mel Kuyper, you get this phone call, dial, dial SWW, whatever it is. Yeah. And then like you're ready. I mean, what inside of you at that moment just gave you enough courage to say, I'm going to call. And, and the reason I asked that is because mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of people you know, they may be fed up on where they are and they want to go somewhere else, but they don't have the courage to pick up the phone. What was it in you that just said, made you say, I'm ready. I can do this. What was it? I'll even double down on it. I was in a pretty comfortable spot in this fortune 10 company and I'm a year and a half out of school. So I'm a young buck. I'm in my early twenties at goal. It was a six figure opportunity. So there ain't nothing wrong with being a 22 year old. that can make six figures working for a fortune 10. Nothing was broken. I didn't feel like I had a lot to fix, but here's the reality. I left those six figures to make seven dollars an hour. I made $7 an hour and to do, let me triple down on this. It wasn't even just the money to put more. You talked about courage and I'll get there in a second, mm-hmm. but to make like in the Vegas analogy to throw even more chips in the middle of the table mm-hmm. at the time I was living at home, you know, had my own spot. It was all good. Yeah. But then Staples center, Right next to downtown LA, I said, well, if I'm going to go all in, let me just burn the boats. So what I did, 
I got the most, I, I didn't purposely choose the most expensive spot, but I wanted to be in the high rise that was right wow. across the street from Staples Center. So I basically created a rent situation for myself that if I didn't sell, I couldn't pay rent. Wow. That's the situation that I put myself in. I had a burn rate. I said, look, if I, if I suck at this for two to three months, I'm going to be in some trouble. But yeah. here's what made me go for it. I had this deep sense. Like I've always believed that so many of us drift on default. So we're just living. Mm -hmm. But I've always been fascinated by this thought of, I don't just want to live. I want to feel alive. And through mm. all of these early chapters of my life, I realized the difference between, okay, when I'm dating this person or when I'm going to this school, when I'm doing this job, am I living or do I feel alive? I've always kind of looked at life in this A versus B way. And I refuse to live a life where I am just living because when I feel that way, then I just become very ordinary. I just kind of fall back into like my default setting. And I just don't have a lot of fuel or oxygen. Like you hear me right now, like this is passion, yeah, yeah. this is purpose. This right. is how it sounds when somebody feels alive. And so for me, when I made that call, when I took that course, when I went from six figures to $7, even though the logical thing to do might've been, Paul, that's too risky. Paul, that's a dumb move. Paul, yeah. why would you do this? Paul, right. what are other people going to think? I knew inside that this feeling of being alive, it was like a sensation that I couldn't ignore. And wow. so I just wanted to do it because I felt a tremendous amount of passion. I said, I know I can sell. And if I can figure out a way to sell in an industry with a product that I love, mm -hmm. like, man, I've been a sports guy my whole life. Maybe I could actually make a living out of this. And I would refuse to live with regret. I think that's a big thing. Like they always talk about pain, right? Like what's the greater pain, the pain of change or the pain of staying the same? I'll repeat yeah. that. Yeah. What is the greater pain, the pain of same or the pain of change? And for me, staying on that comfortable road, staying at the Fortune 10 company, the pain of just living and not feeling alive was a pain that I was not willing to deal with because I don't want to go to my tombstone with regret. And I'll actually add even one wrinkle to this. I was not that far removed at this point in my life. And here's why I feel so passionate about this decision. I was not far removed from the worst day of my life at this stage, mm. because here, here I am in my early to mid twenties, as I'm telling you all this, well, when I was 19, my hero passed away. I lost my dad when I was 19 and I'm an only child. And so at a very young age, you want to talk about going from a boy to a man. You want to talk about somebody like my mom, because again, I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. So she goes from a parent to a partner. You got to grow up real quick. Yeah. And so the fact that I lost my hero and I realized that life, there are no guarantees. I don't know how long it's going to last. And so a lot of this passion, a lot of this tenacity, a lot of this perseverance was like, dude, I ain't going to leave no stone unturned. I ain't mm. going to go to the tombstone with regret because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And that is not a bumper sticker. I lost my dad at 19 and yep. here I am in my twenties and I could have continued to drift on default or I could have said, you know what, Paul burn the boats because I just believe I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to learn. I'm going to yeah. succeed or I'm going to grow. I'm going to succeed or I'm going to evolve. Like 
My dad taught me that failure is not a word in the vocabulary. And that's it. Like, I just don't believe in that word. I hate when people say it because I'm like, oh, that just means you're going to stay down. Like, yeah. that's it. Like you fall down. Like, okay, like good luck. <laughs> like, no, screw that dude. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so a little bit of that fire that you hear in my voice and the fire of that decision of why I had the courage to do it is, well, when I lost my dad and I saw how my mom showed up in the aftermath, she breathed courage into me and it never left. Wow. Man, you know, you and I are like brothers from another mother. Um, I, I lost both of my parents when I was six and seven years old. Mm, so I lost gosh. them both. And, and, and you talk and like what you said, losing your dad at 19. It's like, man, you had to grow up quick. And especially with you, you had to you were the only child. You were all she had to look at and she was all you had to look at. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's it's you had no no choice but to grow up and then start earning to be able to pay your fare. Yep. That's it, dude. Oh my gosh, man. So, I mean, tell, tell me, I mean, like you're in your professional career. So you go over from making six figures to $7, $7. (laughs) Like, I I like the way you put it. Yeah. You you made it, you went from six figures to seven figures, $7, right? (laughs) I mean, give me, tell me like, have you ever hit like a low point when you were doing that $7? Cause I know like you started killing all these goals, but, but how, did you stay motivated, man? How did, how did you do that? Because like the, the average person would just just say they would just give up. How yeah. And I started with mm, about eight other people. We started on the same day. Mm-hmm. I was the only one to see the third month on the job. You wow. know, like it, it was a tough environment, man. You pick up the phone a couple hundred times a day and just get rejected 99.9%. And Uh, I mean, it was, it was tough, but again, I I think that's like, I think one of the bigger mistakes that we make in life is we believe that there is a plan B Mm. and I, I don't know, after losing my dad, I'm like, I know that there's other options. I mean, shoot, I could change what I do tomorrow and the next day and the next day I could, uh, not that I want to, I'm, I'm extremely happily married and soon to be a father (laughs) of two and right now father of one. And like, I wouldn't change a, a thing in my personal life, but you always have options. Yeah. You always have options. Do I eat the thing? Do I not? Do I make the investment or not? Like better decisions, faster decisions are yeah. just choices and choices are options. And so I think that one of the worst things we can do is when we create this safety net in our mind that, oh, if it doesn't work, then I'll just do this. <laughs> like, no, dude, the, the, no. Pl- the plan, the plan B, the plan B. Mm-hmm. And I, whether intentional or not, I just never thought about plan B. So why, why, Mm. how do you give up when you don't feel like there's a safety net to fall on? Like that safety net is a facade and it's something that leads to bad behavior because now all of a sudden you're not all in. Like imagine, imagine, oh, like you want to, okay, I live in California, right? Oh, 50% plus greater uh, divorce rate. All right. Like, you know where I think a lot of folks kind of get into some trouble, whether on the personal or professional wow. side, is we convince ourselves that if it doesn't work, there's another option. And so wow. then you don't go all in. And now I'm giving 90% of myself to my wife or to my kids. I'm giving 80% of myself or 40% of myself to my job. You're going to lose. I don't yes. know when. Wow. I don't know when, but you're going to lose because yeah. you 
will never go all in when you've convinced yourself that there's a plan B and maybe a C and maybe a D and maybe an E. Like, hey, I don't have a promise of a happy ending to the story of the business or the entrepreneurial venture or of the career or of the marriage. Like, I don't have a, a wand. I don't have a crystal wow. ball. But I just know that if I convince myself that this is all I have and I'm going to put my all into it, mm -hmm. I'm a smart enough dude to realize this ain't the one. I'm a smart enough dude to realize that. And so because of that, I don't need to think about plan B. I'll know when I, and I don't believe there's a B. I just believe I need to go all in on A. And if A doesn't work out, then I'm going to find a new A. I don't think of that second A as a B or a C or a D. I just find a new A and then I go all in on that. And I think that's a winning mentality. Hold tight, listeners. We're taking a brief pause. Going forward, we'll be back shortly with more insightful conversations. Hey, it's Eric here from VIP Marketing, and I want to ask you digital marketers something. Are you frustrated with your current PPC marketing campaigns? Well, I want to tell you about a tool that we use here at our agency. It's called Optimizer. You have the ability to get your reports up to date and make sure that you get alerts on them. You can even work into workflows as well. So if you're frustrated with your campaigns right now and the reporting systems that you use, I want to give you a 14-day free trial of Optimizer. Go to optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. to going forward we hope you're recharged because we've got an exciting second half waiting for you get ready to dive deeper and be inspired let's keep the momentum going i, I love that whole thought and that theory because it's almost like you know what i'm gonna do it and i'm not gonna mess up because i am the backup there's, yeah. there's nothing else behind you it's it's all you you either gotta just you're gonna go at it and keep going at it again i love that i love that thought i love that mentality man um you know tell me like what drove you, Paul, you know, to say like all these things that you're going through? I mean, in the different careers, you know, we heard NBA, NFL, breaking sales records and, and a guy who just kind of gave up a lot to get, end up getting more. What made you say, I'm going to take all these thoughts and put them inside of this book? Because it's almost mm. like it seems like therapy, like you like everything you wrote <laughs> seems like like therapy. You just put it out there, man. Yeah. And there's two books. Right. And I'll explain the, the purpose of both, because mm -hmm. the second really builds on the first. And mm -hmm. so 
All right, fast forward my sports journey. All right, so I, I sell. I become the top salesperson with the Clippers. I eventually get promoted to be the sales manager at the Clippers, taken from 28th in league revenue to second in league revenue year after year. So a lot of the sports world starts to pay notice, especially the NBA. So I eventually go on to a more senior leadership role with the New Orleans Hornets. Now they're the Pelicans. They were the Hornets. Then I go to the mm. Sacramento Kings. And it's all these relationships that are inviting me from one place to the other. Then I go to New Jersey and New York to work for a global agency called Legends, which is owned by the Cowboys and Yankees. So that exposed me to some really big blue chip brands. I land at the NFL League office that, the first time the Super Bowl was ever in New York. And so that's where we broke some wow. all-time Super Bowl revenue records. And then eventually spend my last handful of years with the 49ers before a Jerry Maguire leap. So that is as few words as possible to describe <laughs> a resume of 15 years. Wow. But but here's where I want to really you know, share with a lot of folks is you asked why put it in a book. I believe that we are best equipped to serve who we once were. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll repeat that. We are best equipped to serve who we once were. Man. In other words, for everyone in the going forward community, what pain have you overcome? What problem have you solved? Where wow. have you just believed there's got to be a better way. And sometimes you become so obsessed with creating that better way, that better tomorrow, that better future. And then you go all in on the work that's required to help other people not have to feel that pain, not have to struggle so much with that problem. And that's when I went all into thought leadership after the Jerry Maguire leap out of sports, which we could totally talk about that, but now all in on keynote speaking and, and writing books and the podcast and my win Monday community and all these wonderful things that I'm doing right now that are all driven by impact. And by the way, fun fact, the reason I would fall on the sword for impact is because my dad, my hero was a man of impact. He did wow. it in a classroom. I chose a boardroom. Now I choose a stage, but the impact is all the same. We are on a lifelong mission to leave people and places better than we found them. Yes. And I, so, I agree with that. Wow. So, Great so point. for me, to be able to write these books, my first book, The Power of Playing Offense, that was the leadership playbook that I never had. I wrote what Paul needed a decade before, and he never got it. Because when I got promoted from player to coach, from producer to leader, you know, you're the top widget seller, so now you got to supervise the widget sellers. And then you're like, great, I'm a coach now. Where's right. the playbook? And then they say, good luck. Yeah, not too much of a playbook. Thank you. So, again, it pissed me off a little bit, but not in a negative way, just in a, there's got to be a better way. Mm -hmm. And so, fast forward, and once I become a full-time thought leader and I'm out there blazing trails on the keynote circuit and writing books and doing the thing, I'm like, what is the message? What is the mission? What is the cause? Yeah. Who is the Paul of yesterday that I want to help? And it was the leaders that didn't have a playbook and that's what the power of playing offense is. So mm. now better decisions faster. When you write a book like the power of playing offense, a lot of folks ask you, all right, so what do people and teams and organizations that play offense do differently than those that play defense? Like what's the separator? And I went back to the lab for a couple of years, my coaching, my training, my consulting, my podcast, like really, I wanted to learn from the market, like understand, I know you play offense. I know there's a group over there that's playing defense. What are the differences? What are the separators? What's yeah. the competitive advantage to shift from defense to offense? And so a couple of key themes came up. One is 
those that play offense are highly decisive. They don't freeze. They don't struggle with paralysis. They don't mm -hmm. struggle from the worst decision of indecision because Great they point. just keep moving. Great they don't point. always win, but they always play the game. They never stay on the sidelines. They never sit in the nosebleeds. They always find a way to get in the stadium and roll their sleeves up. That's the offensive mentality. They're always on the move. I wow. succeed or I learn. I succeed or I grow. I succeed or I evolve. I succeed or I get better the next time. That's offense. Defense yeah. says, let me see what everybody else is doing. Let me figure out the perfect time. Let me wait until dot, dot, dot. That's yeah. defense. So decisiveness, key number one to playing offense. Oh. Number two, action over outcome. When you can embrace imperfect action, I don't need all the information. I don't need to wait for years to make this decision. I am going to embrace imperfect action. And I'm going to decide to act. And I can live with whatever the outcome is. And that ability to embrace imperfect action is so powerful. And so if decisions and actions are really the table stakes of life, like to me, point blank, life is a game of decisions and actions. Mm -hmm. And when you take action or don't, that's a decision. So the that, lowest yeah, common that's denominator, true. the lowest common denominator is decision-making. So that's why I wrote Better Decisions Faster. It's because I realized this is the key to having a higher quality of life. If you think about it, Eric, and everybody in going forward community, tell me a chapter of your life for months and years where you were consistently making better decisions. I promise you that's probably going to be a great chapter of your life. Man, I'm making better decisions wow. with my health, with my finances, with my relationships, with my career, with my entrepreneurial venture, whatever it is. Great decisions lead to a great quality life, and the opposite is also true. Consistent bad decisions lead to a worse quality of life. So really, wow. better decisions faster is a portal to have a better quality of life. And I didn't just write the book to say, hey, world, go make better decisions faster. <laughs> like, <laughs> duh. Like, of course, Paul. Like, thank you. Like, yeah. mind blown. No. I wrote the book to teach folks how to make better decisions faster. And that's where you mentioned it earlier. The head, heart, hands equation Man. was born. Well, well, how about those people who are like, yeah, it's good to make better decisions, but do I need to make them faster? Mm. Or some people, some people are just hesitant. They want to make a great decision. Uh, yeah. They may overthink it, right, Paul? Yeah. But then they don't want to make them faster. I mean, uh, tell me about a situation like that or, or how, you know, what you teach and preach, how that can just kind of help you overcome. Beautiful question. And let me draw a line in the sand. Notice that the title is Better Decisions Faster. It's not Better Decisions Fast. Hmm. There's a difference. Fast is just fast. Fast is speed at all costs. Fast is like, just pull the trigger. No deep thought, not a deep check-in with yourself, not a deep reflection on what's right versus wrong. Just go fast. Oh, I'm not like a fan that. of fast. I'm a fan of faster. In other words, can this equation head hard hands and attaching decisions, which we'll talk about to a green, yellow, or red, 
Does it mm -hmm. put you in a position to move faster than you otherwise would have without this process? So if you're thinking about a big move, um, I'm doing a big pivot in my career. I'm thinking of uh, moving cities. I'm thinking of exiting a toxic relationship, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm not telling you. And and by the way, oh, to make life more complex, we've got three kids at home and I got to figure out the financial situation. Like, dude, like I am not here to say to be irresponsible and pull a fast trigger. What I am here to say is how do you make the best decision possible and how do you move faster than you otherwise would have? So how do you turn never into mm -hmm. a couple years? Or how do you turn a couple years away into a couple of months? How do you turn a couple months away into a couple of weeks? How do you turn a couple weeks away into tomorrow? Like, yeah. this is all about moving faster, not fast. You know, Paul, you know, one of the things that I've, I've always said in our company is like, you know, we have to eat our own dog food sometimes, right? Yes. And, and, and I want to know, you know, do you have a lot of friends where you've helped them kind of realize like even their full potential by some of the same things that you teach, Paul? That's all I do. For one, I don't coach anything that I haven't proven to myself. Good point. I, I don't. It, that's that's just not I wouldn't feel authentic. You know, I don't right. I don't write books about ideas or thoughts that are not tested and, mm -hmm. and proven for myself. And then I integrate it into my private coaching work. And then I integrate right. it into my, Hey, my friends, my family, my, my, <laughs> uh, my consulting work, my training. Like I have a lot of beta tests out there just to make sure like, all right, is this stuff legit? Yeah. Is this stuff real? And so, yeah, like talk about a decision of fast versus faster. You know, I took a Jerry Maguire leap, right? Like I had a, a life-changing retreat when I was at the 49ers and when you're leaving a dream industry, when you're making that type of decision, I didn't do it overnight. It Man. took me about nine months. But think about it, though. Think about it. How many folks will stay in a dead-end job their entire life? How oh, many plenty. folks will stay in an unhappy job for decades? And I'm not saying that I was unhappy. I'm just saying I realized that this is not really my purpose. Like my impact wow. cannot be maximized inside of the four walls of the sports industry. I have to go chase impact beyond the four walls of the industry. Wow. And so if that's the case, if that's the case, then yeah, it took me nine months. But what if it would have happened never if I chose to play small? If I chose wow. to play defense, if I chose to stay in my comfortable lane, if I cared what other people thought, because trust me, the world loves Paul that works in the sports industry, hooked me up with tickets and introduced me to these players and the autographs and backstage pass and back, you know, all this stuff for the Super Bowl and all these concerts and you name it. I had it all. Yeah. If I would have listened to what other people think, I'd still be in sports, but I wouldn't be myself. And so you've got to really like drill into that. So yeah, it took me nine months, but that was faster. It wasn't fast. It wasn't overnight. I didn't have all the answers when I, I mentally made the decision to leave sports. And then physically I did nine months later. That is faster than the alternative, but it's not fast. And that's where, mm -hmm. you know, I really want to impress that on folks. Now you, you talk about your, your Jerry Maguire moment, you know, um, when you kind of went out from sports into the world that you're in now, um, Paul, tell me about how that makes you feel. Tell me about how that makes you feel. And I'm going to ask that question because you bring up Jerry Maguire. And one reason why Jerry Maguire stopped doing what he was doing wasn't just because of money. It was how he felt. So how do you, how do you feel? like daily or when you're in front of a crowd of people and you're a keynote speaker and you're putting these things into them, Paul, what does that make you, the feet, the speaker feel like? 
for one, beyond myself, I know that every single day that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm making my hero proud. Wow. My dad is smiling down on me every time that I get off the stage because he knows that I just left people and places better than I found them. And I'm paying his legacy forward by living my purpose. Like that wow. is, that is how I feel. I was not saying things like that when I was in sports, mm -hmm. the title, the money, the responsibilities, the sex appeal of the industry, check, 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 check all good. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to tell you that I was like feeling alive every day. I'm not going to tell you that I was maximizing my, my impact. I'm not going to tell you that I was leaving people in places better than I found them every day. I wasn't. But I didn't always have that clarity, you know, like a big part of my life-changing retreat, finding my why, my core values, starting to connect those things to my daily decisions and actions. That's when I felt some tension because until you realize who you are on the inside, you're just going to continue to drift on default. You're just going to continue to live versus feeling alive. So sometimes the self-discovery work, while it's necessary and critical and crucial, let me put a warning signal on it. It's going to make you super uncomfortable. You're going to feel massive tension. In most cases, because figuring out who you are at your core, like when I understood my values and I'm like, oh my gosh, Whoa. I am showing up as two different people right now. I got a work, Paul. I got a personal Paul. And then when I made the hard decision of Paul, you got to be one brother. Wow. You got to live the rest of your life as one person. And if you need to change so dramatically to thrive in a certain environment, then that isn't your home. That isn't your tribe. That isn't your company. I don't care how sexy the ladder looks. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You need to be one. And when I made that marriage arrangement with myself, mm -hmm. that's when I became the most authentic version of myself. And also, that's when I became the most confident version of myself. Because authentic confidence can only happen when you connect who you are to how you show up every day and you don't take days off. That's authentic confidence. Man, Paul, I, I think you just put my microphone on fire over here. Man, <laughs> let's take a break, and I want to come back, and I want to dive through some chapters of the book. Uh, I'm going to start out with, uh, you just left, left off on authenticity, and that's under the chapter with the green lights of the heart. Yep. All right, so we're going to come back, and we're going to dive right into that. So I like the way you said it. You, knew, you said going forward nation. So going forward nation, we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back with Mr. Paul Epstein. All All right, listeners, we're back with Mr. Paul Epstein. And man, uh, you know, Paul, what an impressive story. And uh, sometimes like when you started talking about your dad, man, I got a little chill because mm -hmm. I could feel I could feel some of that passion coming off from you. And and you you have an electrifying and magnetic personality. And it's like what John Maxwell describes as uh, the law of magnetism. And I feel like you are attracting a lot of people to you, man. And I love your message. I love your message. There's no plan B. It's just A. And let's dive right into it. So um, you made uh, a reference earlier to the two books that you had, like offense versus defense. And I loved how you really put that. And while you were saying that, I started 
thinking about like the quarterback position in offense, like he doesn't have time. He just has to go, mm-hmm. you know, and the defense people are like, you know, where are they? W- what kind of offense are they? They're, they're sitting there, they're waiting, you know? Uh, so great way to put it, but I want to dive into head, heart, hands, and you get the first three chapters of your book. It almost like sets the tone of what yep. you're doing. And then you also go into authenticity, but um, the green lights of the head, explain that to the audience as well. And under that you have growth, positivity, grit, and curiosity. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll set the table and then we'll go into those green lights of the head. Because first, if I'm in the going forward nation, I want to know what are we talking about when we say head, heart and hands and like, Mm. and and I think that's a beautiful place to start this conversation. So the way that we make better decisions faster, the application method, the way that you activate it and implement it is you use the head plus heart equals hands equation. Head, heart, hands wow. equation. I'll define each in one word. Your head is your mindset. Your heart is your authenticity. Your hands are action. And the equation again is head plus heart equals hands. In other words, when deciding whether to use your hands, whether to take action, there's two checkpoints, head and heart. Mm. Head, do I think it's a good idea? Heart, do I feel? It's a good idea. And just like when you're driving a car and you pull up to an intersection, you know exactly what to do. Green is go. Red is stop. Yellow is assess. Yeah. And that's how the equation works. When your head and heart are on board, that is a green light. 10 out of 10 times, take that action. The opposite. No head, no heart, red light. No action or stop doing it. And then... When only the head or heart is on board, that's a yellow light and we got to solve for the gap. So I wrote the playbook, Better Decisions Faster, to fill our life with an abundance of green lights. I wrote the book to create awareness so we stop running reds. Yeah. And I wrote the book because yellow is hard and it is the messy middle. And finally... We have a playbook for how to conquer and navigate the messy middle of yellow. Wow. That's, that's missing why today. I wrote better decisions faster. That is missing today. Complicated. Oh my gosh. The, the yellow is so complicated. And, and Every, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, no, it's just so needed because like, it's like, that's the complicated part. Everyone talks about everything on the top, but they don't tell you about how hard it is in the middle. You know, like mm-hmm. what you're talking about, how you're describing the yellow. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and go forward with that. Um, uh, you were talking about the head is like the, the mindset. Is that one of the things that people have to have right when they're thinking about making their decisions faster? You got to have your head in it. Keep you always here. Get your head in the game. Yeah, and I think it boils down to one core word, which is clarity. Mm. A lack of clarity leads to worse decisions. There's no doubt about it. So if you've got pollution in your mind, if you've got some toxic thoughts going through your mind, maybe you're struggling with some self-limiting beliefs, which we all struggle from, and that's a human thing. If you're struggling from a self-limiting belief and you think that you're going to optimize your decision making, we're lying to ourselves. Like that's just not the case. Like so, (laughs) so that and and but this is also like I want to share a couple of principles about yellow lights because I think this is important. There's a good yellow and a bad yellow. So one type of yellow is when only your head is on board and your heart is not. The other type of yellow is when your heart is in, but your head is out. 
Okay, so let's wow. unpack that. Let's start with, and here's what it's based on. The reason I say good versus bad. Yellows can only be considered a good thing if they have a chance to become a green light. Yellows wow. can only be good if there could be a happy ending at the end of this story, which is the green light. So I ask everybody in going forward, I ask you, which do you think, head or heart, has the better potential of changing tomorrow, next week, next month? Like, I don't know about you, but I ain't waking up with a new heart tomorrow. Yeah. My heart is my heart. I know what is authentic and true to me. It is tied to my identity, my character. That's my heart. And so if my heart isn't going to change and only my head is on board, then my no in the heart is never going to become a yes. So that's why it can be such wow. a dangerous yellow light. Your heart is never going to join your head for the party. And I'll give a couple examples of that. But then the opposite is also true. Those very few things in life where your heart is in and your mm -hmm. heart is all on board, but maybe you are struggling in the mind. Maybe you do have a self-limiting belief. For me, I've had to have these really tough, challenging, courageous conversations with my spouse, with a business partner, with my executive coach, with some of my mentors. We had to clear up some pollution from the head because when my heart was in, it could become a yellow if I did the hard work in the head and now it started to flicker green. So Man. the good yellow is when your heart is in and now you got to do the hard work of becoming more clear and getting the pollution out of the mind. So wow. that's, that's the good yellow. It's not easy, but that is the payoff mm -hmm. of better decisions faster, but the opposite yellow. And this is where so many of us struggle. We justify things in our head. We rationalize. We do what makes sense. We play it safe. We go secure. We avoid change. We avoid yep. resistance. We avoid discomfort. All these things, right? Uh, an example, and this could apply to your personal life as well, but let me use a yep. professional yep. example. So when I used to lead really big sales teams, sometimes you get a top performer and a top producer, so they sell the most widgets. Mm -hmm. But in some cases, they can be a little tough to manage. Yeah, you know, yeah, a lot of personality in there. And sometimes they're not always so nice in the sandbox. Right. And so yeah. they're not always great in a team environment, but they sell a lot of widgets. And oh, you yeah. as the boss, you as the leader, you've got goals, you've got pressure, you've got expectations, you've got quarterly numbers to hit, you've got shareholders to please, you've got a career that you want to grow. And when this person sells widgets, it makes you look better. So yep. your head says, keep them, but your heart knows they're not a keeper. Wow. Drop and, the mic. Drop and, the mic. And what happens? Drop here, the mic. What happens with these yellow lights where your head convinces you to stay in it, even though your heart is never going to join for the party? Fast forward a couple years in my example. Now this person has created some toxic environment in your culture. So your culture has engagement problems. And now yes. some of your better people are like, screw this. This bad behavior is tolerated. I'm going to bounce. So now you've got retention problems. And then the marketplace starts to hear about all these problems going on inside of your team or company. So now you've got recruiting problems. And yes. what I always do in my consulting work, when I hear situations like this, which I have been a part of, and I'm oh. guilty as charged in my past, I say, you don't have an engagement problem. You don't have a retention problem. You don't have a recruiting problem. You have a yellow light problem. Mm. You're hanging on to I the wrong never, yellow lights. I will never look at a traffic light the same ever again. 
<laughs> man, you you just hit the nail on the head. And, and honestly, you know, like none of us are perfect. And I remember hiring someone who was a super high achiever. And, and everything that you're saying, I totally believe it. They were a super high achiever. Their, their work was fantastic, but they were awful to everyone else. Mm. You know, and and what that did was made the others who were not, you know, they wanted to be able to do the kind of work the other person did, but it discouraged them from reaching their full capacity because yeah. that person was so toxic, mm. just like what you explained. And, yeah. and it can really, it can kill someone, it can kill an organization and it can kill, you know, uh, culture really fast. Those yellow lights. I mean, have you seen a situation or or talked like a company through? Because I know you talked to many, uh, you know, companies and, and different people on stages where you helped them realize that, you know, what they thought was green was really yellow. Has that ever happened before, Paul? Well, <laughs> yes, but I'll put a caveat on it because <laughs> when you say, well, they thought it was green, mm -hmm. you know why they thought it was green? because they didn't use the head hard hands equation and mm. we often bypass one of the three and i mean this isn't a complicated guess but wow. in a go 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 do 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 world there's a whole lot of head and there's a whole lot of hands so mm. before we ever were introduced to the equation we thought a green light just meant it makes logical sense keep the high widget seller keep the yeah. production keep the performance keep whatever or that's the green light product we need to build or the green light service or hospitality plan we need to create, whatever it is. Yeah. Like you thought a green was just one checkpoint in the head. No, it's two. So now that I've introduced the heart to the equation, now the, that green is going to stay a green and it's all good. Mm -hmm. But the old format of green is because we forgot to check in with our heart. And so there's this lack of truth there's this lack wow. of authenticity. We're just doing whatever makes, quote, business sense. And that is how a lot of companies get in a lot of danger. And that can compound over months and years. And now all of a sudden, your yellow will quickly become a red. I actually think the bad yellow is worse than a red. Because a red, at least you pull a trigger and it's done. Right. I'm not going to do it. I'm not right. going to do it. Or this person's right. not good. All good. Right. But a yellow lingers. And it's like a death of a thousand cuts, you know, it just bleeds every day and it hurts a little bit, not enough to change, not enough to change, but man, if I could parachute into your future three, four years, I'll be like, ha ha ha. You've been wow. hanging out with daily small incisions of yellow cuts. You know, that's kind of where it's at, man. Oh my gosh, Paul. I what what happens if you could the same thing happen if you hold on to a yellow too long? Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, I, you you mean when the head is on board? Yeah, yeah. Like well, like like you, let's just say if the head's on board. Yeah. Okay. Um. And and this man, this really helps you simplify things. Like if the head's on board, and you know in the heart, like it's just not right. I'm just gonna do it anyway. I'm just gonna take this action anyway. It's a detriment to yourself. Totally. And, like how, how do you help? How do you coach people out of that? Great question. Okay. So let's say, let's use a slightly different example, but 
I, I think this applies holistically in life, but I, I like having the work combo because it's a safe combo and now we can mm -hmm. apply it to our personal life however it needs to happen. Perfect. So let's say you're not happy with your current job or maybe as an entrepreneur, you and your co-partner, uh, your co-founder, you're having some issues, right? So you it, like head is in cause you got the company to operate and you know, mm -hmm. maybe there's an exit in sight, but your heart knows like this ain't a good marriage. You're like, we right, we're not right. in a good spot. So whether with the job or a person, okay, here's how I love this equation. And here's why it's because within a matter of seconds of applying the head, heart, hands equation to anything, you can land on a green, a yellow, or a red. And the color gives you clarity. This is a green light situation. It's a red light situation or it's a yellow. And then you figure out, is it the good yellow or the bad? Now, in this case, your example, you want me to poke on the bad one. So in this, what I would say is if I'm in a dead end job or I'm in a dead end relationship or I'm in something, I would say maybe remember faster beats fast. Yes. Maybe the decision is not to pull some crazy radical trigger tomorrow, but can you take these daily micro actions as a process to eventually make the bigger decision? So if I don't love my job, well, I could stay miserable the rest of my life, or I could mm -hmm. wait a decade until a more convenient time where maybe now I have enough money saved and now I can really leave, or mm -hmm. I can invest my time in the nights, in the weekends, to do research on new opportunities, wow. to sit down for informational interviews, to have casual cups of coffee and figure out if maybe a pivot is what's in my best interest. But those are decisions and those are actions that are small and they're bite-sized. And you can do those in the background because the wow. end decision is I need to get rid of this yellow light, but I can't afford to do it tomorrow or it's not logical to do it tomorrow, but I refuse to not make change. I refuse to not make small decisions that lead to the bigger decisions. I refuse to not make small actions that lead to the bigger action. Hmm. And that's what this equation does. It inspires action, not always the end action, not always the massive swing of the bat. Sometimes it's a bunt single just to get on base, to create some momentum, to give you new experience, new information, build a new relationship. And then those things stacked over time lead to the bigger decision. You know, it, it, gosh, I, I'm coming up with all these scenarios between the head and the heart, because sometimes, you know, you, there's a lot of emotion involved in the heart part. And, and, and the heart may, like you said earlier, you can't get another heart, but sometimes mm -hmm. you may get so emotionally attached that you use your heart to convince your head. Ah, okay. You, you get what I'm saying? Totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, 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 look. Like, I, I think this is, um, now let's use a personal example. Let's use a relationship. You know, the classic saying of, oh, we're in the honeymoon period. Yeah. Right. And you actually, we use that about jobs too. Like very few people say, oh my God, I'm miserable after a week. Normally right. there's like a honeymoon period of, you know, months or years in a job or in a relationship where it's like, everything's great and everything's perfect and it's vibrant mm -hmm. and there's energy and all. I think that's probably one of those times where like, yeah. And then, and then <laughs> like, oh, it doesn't work out four years later. And when you reflect back, you're like, damn, like, I think I was in a honeymoon period. Damn. I think I was drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too hard. Wow. The signs were always there. The signs were from the head, but your heart just said, nope power through emotion wow. 
feeling, sex appeal, wow. whatever it is, right? Wow. Like you're just like, dude, I'm going to stay with the supermodel. Great. Like all good. But you're like, oh yeah, the supermodel. And then, oh my gosh, my second month in dating, I, we don't even have good conversations at the dinner table. But then three, four years later, we're still together. Cause that's a supermodel. Mm. It's like, yeah, dude, you knew that the dinner conversation sucked after 30 days. You knew that, but your yeah. heart just said, stay in it. And then at some point, like you just drifted on default. So I think in those cases, here's kind of the beauty of the head heart hands equation. It forces two unique, distinct and intentional checkpoints. So for everyone out there in going forward nation, Let's say half of us, we default to being more like, Eric, I'll ask you, if you have to choose a side, you cannot say you're equal parts of both. Okay. All logic right. or logic or emotion. What's your natural drift? What's your default? I'm going to be very honest with you. You cannot say 50-50. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. Years ago, years ago, it was always my heart. Okay. But now it's my head. It's my head first. It's got to get past that first. Okay, so you used to default to being more emotion. Now you default to being more logic. Cool. Uh, yes. Absolutely. So your example is perfect because you've fallen on both sides. Great. Okay. So here's how I would talk to everybody listening and watching is some of us like me are emotional creatures. Like mm -hmm. I am all in on emotion. And then other folks, whether Eric in current state or some of you all in the going forward nation, you might default to logic, right? In professional settings, I can put my salespeople on one side. I can put my engineers on the other. Like you kind of can connect <laughs> the dots of which side we're talking about. Here's yep. the beauty of the equation. If you're emotionally default setting, mm -hmm. it forces you to check in with logic. I got to check in on data. I got to do the analytics. I got to do, I got to surround myself with those people versus yep. if you're the logical person, now you got to check in with your heart. You can't avoid it. Otherwise, there's no green light. So wow. it, for emotion, it forces logic. For logic, it forces emotion. I think this is the key to faster decisions, whether with relationships or profession or health or whatever, because you cannot avoid the head or the heart if you want green lights. Wow. If you just check in with one, green lights are impossible, and everybody wants more green lights. Oh, my goodness. Man, Paul, we're going to take one more break. And we're going to wrap it up and we're going to talk about the hands because we did a lot of talking about the head and, uh, and the heart, but we're going to talk about the hands. Okay, great. All right, let's take a break. Welcome back to Going Forward. We hope you're recharged because we've got an exciting second half waiting for you. Get ready to dive deeper and be inspired. Let's keep the momentum going. All right, Going Forward Nation. I picked that up from Paul. He gave me that, so I'm going to use that Going Forward <laughs> Nation. I like that. Um, if anyone's joining us right now, I am on with Paul Epstein. And if you haven't picked this up yet, man, this this you're a fiery person, man. And, and you're one of those people, like, I would hope that we would be stuck in a layover together so we can just talk and chop it up. <laughs> but, man, um, I feel your energy, and I love the way that you think, and I love the way that you're presenting it. Earlier, we were talking a lot about, you know, your two books, and, and most recently, the one, you know, making decisions faster and also using your head your heart. And now I want to talk about the hands, you know, and, and one part of the hands, when I think about it, like, uh, there's a line you have in here about impact. And now hearing the story about your dad, mm. you know, with, with impact, I mean, how important is it? I mean, with, with your hands, how important is it to make a big impact now that you've made that decision? Now you've gone through, now it's time to make an impact, make it known. 
I believe impact is making a difference. And for me, if you're not making a difference and you're not living right, like I, I think you could talk Ooh. about legacy. Ooh. You could talk about purpose. You could about, talk about daily fuel, daily oxygen. Like if me coming on this podcast versus not doesn't make a difference, then why am I doing it? If mm. me jumping on that stage isn't making a difference in somebody's life, then why am I doing it? If me showing up home to be present and being fully there at the dinner table, pouring my heart and my soul into my family, then why do I have a family? Like, it's just like, like, I really am just like, if Damn. my presence doesn't make a difference and I just shouldn't be there, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't take action. This is my filter for what situations I choose to be in versus not. So hands is simply listening to the colors of the head and the heart. And when you have a green light, then everything that you do is going to generate impact. Impact is guaranteed when you're taking action on a green light. Paul, what are, what are some of the things like when, when someone's done with this book, how do you want them to feel? What, what do you want them to feel like? If you could just describe that for me. Because you've had a lot of moments, you know, where mm -hmm. you just said, I'm all in. But what do you want someone to feel after they've put this yeah. book down? Three things. Confidence. Authenticity. And peace. That was my word for 2023. Hmm. My team and I, we put, we, uh, we had these post-its and everyone had to write a word on, um, write one word on what they would like in the year. And my word was peace. I love it. I've been saying add peace a lot in the last couple of months since better decisions faster launched. People ask me, how's it going? And I say in two words, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with the process. I'm at peace with the results. I'm at peace with everything that surrounded the launch and the impact that it's had in the community. It's I'm at peace. I, I don't need to expand on that. that. That's a great way to put it. Do you feel like you've got a lot off your chest in writing this book? Yeah. And it was cool because this being the second book, I wasn't at peace after the first. And mm. so a lot of these transformations, a lot of these messages that I'm sharing today, it's again, we want to help the us of yesterday. And so for me, I asked myself, what's Paul struggling with? Because if he is, then other people for sure are. Wow. So if he over-indexed on success and chased all the trophies and the accolades, and then it realized it didn't make him happy or fulfilled, well... I want to help other people avoid that pitfall, right? Like, oh, yeah. And, and so I think that's just one example. But if he wasn't at peace after writing a book that became a bestseller, uh, like The Power of Playing Offense, and the confetti wasn't even special within 24 to 48 hours after, and I was like, man, what a, what a drastic letdown. But I was creating my own external happiness traps, you know? And so yeah. I think a lot of what we're talking about here today is just I'm at peace because I've grown and I've, I've become who I'm supposed to be and I'm not done making mistakes. I'm not mm. done making bad decisions. I'm not, I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm also 10 out of 10 aware. And when you're aware, that's why I bet on my future because I'm aware enough to know when things aren't optimized and yeah. I'm going to fight like hell to optimize them.
I'm glad you said that too, because a lot of people, when they, you know, hear of uh, decision making or even, you know, possibly hearing like the title or the headlines of the book, they think they have to be perfect. But the fact that you said that, I mean, that's, I think that's really good for listeners to really know and understand, like, you know, it's okay to mess up, Yeah. you know, even after you've, you've went through head, heart and hands and you have a green light, uh, it's not going to always be perfect. No, you know, it won't be perfect. Nope. Man. Um, I, I just thank you, man, for being a, an incredible guest today, man. I want to just encourage people go out, get this book. Paul, tell these folks how they can actually find this book. You know, is it on Amazon, you know, Apple iTunes store? To tell yeah. On the book. Better decisions faster is available in a little website called Amazon. <laughs> so, <laughs> little website yeah, called yeah, just Amazon. Go to Amazon. Better decisions faster. <laughs> If you want to pick up power of playing offense as well, but I think I think better decisions faster is for the masses, and I believe that it's going to lead to higher quality life, more confidence, more clarity, more authenticity, more purpose, more impact, more gratitude. I mean, like I could keep going, man. Like if wow. you can solve for decision making, if you make decision making your competitive advantage, mm -hmm. you literally cannot lose. I, I want to give everybody uh, the green light. How about that? To go get this book. It's a better decision faster <laughs> to pick up a copy of Better Decision Faster. There you go. There you go, man. <laughs> Paul, I want to thank you for being an amazing guest, man, and joining us today, man. Your insights were just definitely invaluable uh, to our listeners as well. And uh, I want to make sure, like, all of our listeners out there, and, like, you know, Paul has dubbed this now, going forward nation, you know, if you guys feel like this podcast has been uh, a blessing to you, good for you, or could be good to a colleague or a friend, make sure you share it. And while you share it, make sure that you use your head, hearts and your head, heart and hands to go ahead and get a copy of Paul's book on this little tiny site named Amazon as well. Right. And uh, if you guys have, you know, enjoyed this episode, make sure you go out there and give us a great ranking for this as well. Paul, tell these folks exactly how they can find you, connect with you, social website. Tell them all that stuff. Everything and anything is at paulepsteinspeaks.com. So that's the website, most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Here's what I want to share with folks. So it's not just a website. On that site, paulepsteinspeaks.com, you're going to find confidence quiz in the nav bar. Take Ooh. the quiz. It's yep. a free gift from me to the Going Forward Nation. In less than five minutes, you can learn your confidence score of one to 100. And then we're going to hook you up with resources to keep building and sustaining unshakable confidence. Because without confidence, we can't make better decisions faster. So take Damn. the confidence quiz. Takes less than five minutes. It's at paulepsteinspeaks.com. Also, and we'll make sure we put the link to the confidence quiz inside the show notes and we'll share it out on social as well. Uh, and also share out Paul's handles to make sure that you guys in the going forward nation. I love that. It's got a ring to it. Done. Can actually reach out to uh, Paul Epstein, Paul and his team as well. Paul, hold the line. I want to thank you for being an amazing guest again uh, to our listeners out there. Thank you for giving us your most valuable asset, which is your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate our podcast and share it with a friend. Every share, every comment, every rating propels us forward. For more content, insights, and updates, visit ericelliot.com. Remember, your journey, your story is what keeps us going forward. Until next time. I want to thank you all for giving us your most valuable asset, your time. 
And also a huge thank you to our sponsors over at Optimizer. For all of you who are running PPC campaigns and you want to see how to do it better and get better results and actually boost the performance of your campaigns and save time, get a free trial at optimizer.com slash go slash VIP.